For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. the best teacher in the best school in Austin, Texas, just told us not to send our children in traditional school because they'd be chained to a desk and lectured to all day. And so that was really the start of starting over with Acton Academy. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening and watching, and please go hit that like and subscribe button wherever you get your show. So today, before we get to our very special guests, let's kick it off with our Patreon question of the day, which is, when is the appropriate time to start setting up for Christmas? I was going to start a war in here. I have a very strong opinion about war. that. <laughs> that was the only question you could come up with. You know, that's the one that's going to start a war. I in didn't here. come up with it. <laughs> I am a day after Thanksgiving person. I feel like you have to celebrate Thanksgiving in true fall decor. And then Christmas goes up the day after. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I would say somewhere after 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve. <laughs> That's when my shopping. That's when my shopping usually starts. <laughs> yeah, but like most men. Uh, uh, yeah. So honestly, I, I get fired up in the summer. I'm like, I'm gonna get my present shot. I, I, I kind of think like that. And then mid December, I'm like, you know what? Nobody wants a present for me. I'm not gonna do anything. And then that last moment, I'm like, oh damn. <laughs> I, I probably need to. There needs to be an app store or some kind of store that only like a fireworks stand. It pops up just for guys like me and you, yeah. right? It has a bag full of stuff that if you walk in with it, you're good to go. You know, uh, yeah. like, unfortunately, <laughs> if we let Laura and Melanie design that, it'll be a bag full of diamonds. And I'm not sure if we, in, what you and I would put in the bag. But, but it, it, it could be buy one, get 11 free. <laughs> yeah. or, or our own vending machine, like the Red Box. Yeah. Hey, man, <laughs> you get jammed up on Christmas Eve, man. We got you. That's a good one. Okay, so I, I grew up. Same way. October, like Halloween is October. I even remember being in grade school when the teachers would change the decorum in the classroom. You kind of, and then when Thanksgiving ro rolled around, the seasons changed and, and the best meal of the year is there. Mm -hmm. And you get to see your family, which is either chaos or a great time. And then one month after that, someone brings you presents. So, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I got to separate it too. Yeah. It, after Thanksgiving, for sure. I think if you get too much of it, you lose the uh, the side of it, right? Yeah, if you so get you, two months of Christmas, you get tired of it. 
See, I kind of disagree with that. Oh, nobody asked you. I personally, kid's still in his twenties. I kind of talk. Personally, I love to set up like early November, just like put up a Christmas tree, decorate the house a little bit. I don't know. I just love Christmas so much that I just want to keep it around as long as I can. I, and then it usually goes until maybe February is whenever I take the tree down. Oh no! Wow, <laughs> I'm a. Hunter, when you when you have young children and start to put together Christmas presents, your view may change just like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'll, there's too much it, can happen in two months for Christmas for presents to be under the tree. Exactly. And, and, I mean, yeah. Now that you think about yeah. it, yeah, that's it an electric made... bill. Imagine an electric bill for two months too, because I mean, <laughs> we go all out over here. Yeah. That's dad logic right there. Like, yeah, no, no, no. The the seasons change in two months as well. I may also just be a little too lazy to take down the tree. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. Okay. All right. Well, let's get this started. We are so excited to have y'all on today. I I mean, I've known y'all for a long time, but I have been behind your backs studying about the Acton Academy because I'm just amazed by it. I love the idea of it. And um, I follow several of the Acton schools. It's just one of those things that I'm just like, gosh, I wish there was one around here for our little ones to go to. Um, but if you want to start, that's where we're going to get to. If you want to start a little bit further back, tell us where y'all grew up, how y'all met, and just give us a little background on your story. I'll let you start with that. Okay. Um, I grew up kind of all over the place. I'm a preacher's kid. I was born in California, lived in Washington State, New Jersey, and then we went to Oklahoma. I ended up going to high school with Jeff's younger sister. So that's how I got connected to his family. Then I left Oklahoma and went to Nashville and New York and London and then back to Oklahoma. And he and I met um, at a party and he said he had front row tickets to Jimmy Buffett in Nashville. And did I want to go? And I thought, yes, I do want to go see Jimmy Buffett in Nashville. So I didn't know him. I only knew his sisters, but that was our first date. And I pretty much moved to Texas six months after we met. And it's been a party ever since then. Yeah, no, the red flag should have been that I was such a loser. I had front row tickets to Jimmy Buffett in the night before no date. So that, <laughs> kind of, that should have been a tip off of sorts. I don't know. I feel like you could have been a spur of the moment guy like me, too, yeah. you know, because um, that's pretty smooth. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's good one because it's a, that's a perfect concert for a first date, actually. I'm, and, you know, God bless that man. Yeah, yeah what, totally. What was that? Well, if you if, if you fast forward to the. Uh, Started the Acton Academy story. We had um, a daughter who was older, but two young boys who just come through Montessori, and they um, were ready to go into regular school. And so I went to see the very best teacher in Austin at our daughter's school, and I said, "When should we move the boys into traditional school?" And he said, "Well, you know, once they've had that kind of freedom, um, they won't like to sit chained to a desk because you should move them as soon as possible." And I and I thought about it, and I said, "Well, I, you know, I don't blame him." And this great teacher looked down at the ground, and then he looked up, and he had tears in his eyes, and he shook his head, and he very quietly said, "I don't either." And I went home that day, and I told Laura, "I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to either homeschool or start a school." But the best teacher in the best school in Austin, Texas, just told us not to send our children in traditional school because they'd be chained to a desk and lectured to all day. 
And so that was really the start of starting over with Acton Academy. Yeah. With a blank sheet of paper. Right. Because I looked at Jeff. I said, I'm not homeschooling. That's just not that wasn't in my blood at all. I. Yeah. We were, you didn't do that. No. Back in the day, those kids. Look, private school kids had a reputation. Remember, you're like, you you, wait, you went to a private school? Or then one phase past that was the the homeschool kids. (laughs) You didn't even drive past their house. (laughs) Remember that? That that was the thing. We didn't even know. We didn't even get a chance to get to know them. And then after homeschooling, we homeschooled too. You're like, wait a minute. We did it for one year. I was a private school kid. Marcus was a public school kid. So we have different opinions on that. Well, I'm just thinking on public school kids. Yeah, Yeah, that's what what I'm saying. That's what we think in the public school. It's it's rough out there. It's a jungle. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Totally. Yeah, so I said, I'm not doing that. I didn't want to be my mom and my kids' um, mom and coach and teacher and activity director or whatever you do as a homeschooler. I admire someone who can do that. Um, I I wanted a community. I wanted to build something from scratch. So we literally said, if you could build your dream learning experience, what would it look like? And we pulled together things we really trusted. The Socratic method, Jeff had been teaching um, basically the Harvard Business School style of the case method in a business school he had started. Um, I came from a long line of teachers really focused on the Montessori method. So I love the idea of mixed ages and moving the adult out of the center of the experience to be more of a guide and letting the work be hands-on real world problem solving. And then we just started playing around with ideas and projects and um the bottom line we had, though, was we wanted the narrative of the experience to be the hero's journey. And so that's the thing that has never changed. We've yeah. experimented all the way along, but all the time, the narrative of the Acton Academy is that an ordinary person hears a call, sets out on an adventure, wrestles monsters, has mentors and guides seeking a treasure all the way. And they may or may not get the treasure, but they return home a changed person ready to share their new ideas and character with the world around them. And then they set off on a new adventure again. So, well, yeah, and as Marcus knows is better than anyone on the planet, you know, the, the, our definition of a hero wasn't a celebrity or something prestigious. Heroes get knocked down and they get back up and they walk into the fight. That's what a hero does. Every time they get knocked, they may not win, but yeah. they're going to get back up. Well, and the the great thing that we was a surprise to us is what that hero's journey template really does is distinguish hero versus victim. And yeah. so any child at an acting academy starts claiming the identity of a hero. And like Jeff said, that's not someone who wins all the time. It's someone who gets back up after they fall down. <laughs> that's not what that means at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and that that is an issue that you see in today's world is this huge victim mentality. It's it's everywhere. I mean, it's yeah. That's like and the idea is thing. yeah the the hero when there's a problem takes responsibility and starts problem solving, whereas a victim tries to find the blame, put the blame on somebody else. A hero when things get really hard, they keep going, they push through, whereas a victim quits because it's just too hard. So that story resonates with children and they hear hero story after hero story after hero story. So by the time they've been through an acting academy, you know, 12 years in, they have this memory bank of, 
ways that people have worked through problems um, and th their gritty decision-making gets solidified more and more with the more hero stories that they hear over the years. Yeah, and just to fast forward, today we now have 350 Acton Academy campuses in 42 states and 26 countries. So we never intended to have even a middle school. <laughs> That's awesome. Back to what you said, though, because there's a difference between getting your butt whipped on those journeys and, and feeling like a victim. Yeah. Like running an obstacle course or running any race or doing anything we do, and when you get beat up because of it, you feel bad. That's that's not what we do. This whole place is our obstacle course. Yeah. Yeah, and we talk really, we're just really, we talk a lot about the struggle and the failure and the monsters you're going to meet. And the, the, there's three big monsters that starting at age six, we start wrestling with, and they are victimhood, like we just talked about, resistance when you're just scared to take that first step and distraction. And that's just a huge monster we have to deal with. So lots of the monsters out there in the world are internal. And so these young people start figuring out what tools and recipes and anecdotes do they have to fight that internal monster when you just want to quit or you're just like so distracted, you can't focus. And I'll tell you, when, when you get children inspired, equipped, and connected with each other in a tribe, it is unbelievable what they oh, can do. Sure. The biggest takeaway is they oh, are sure. Yeah, they can just, they're capable of so much. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of the story. It's been a, you know, it's always a hot mess. It's been a stumbling forward at every step. Almost all of the owners of the of the different campuses are people like us, entrepreneurs that you know have gone out and done something in the world. And it's just been a real blessing. So with the Acton Academy, what grade does it go to? It, it goes from... Um, pre-K all the way through high school. Oh, it does go all the way through high school. Yeah. Now, now most of the campuses start out at a young age. You start out with 10 or 12 uh, elementary aged or preschool aged, and then you grow over time. But we've got um, we've got a lot of campuses now that you know, have 130, 140 learners, K through 12. Are you um, incorporating sports with it? Or are you just yeah, doing... There's a lot of sports and physical activity. It's amazing when you're learning really quickly how much you can fit in a day without the day being busy. And so there's a lot of time for outdoor play, free play, almost like, you know, when we grew up in neighborhoods, if you grew up in a neighborhood in Magnolia or in Abilene, Texas, you played with your friends. There's a lot of that kind of play. And then there's a lot of organized sports, too. So, um, you know, the very best players, and we've had some NCAA champion athletes, they'll and even one pre-Olympic athlete, they'll tend to go to club sports because they don't even play on high school teams. They're so good. And then the rest of, you know, most of the acting learners will be in some small school league where everybody gets to play. What's well, changed now from since yeah. back, back in the day it used to be, you'd have to get on the high school. So the college would see you. Yeah. That's not the case. No, at all. Matter of fact. Yeah. they. And when you were talking about with the kids, the best part, and someone had to explain it to me, when, and they use the word uh, sin to do it. It's like, hey, man, we're always trying to apologize for our sins and everything like this. And sin means some of that stuff is stitched into you, okay? And when when you hit a certain age, like, I, I, I sir, I, I got one fixing to go through puberty, two of them, actually. <laughs> so I've been having to map this whole thing down. And it's, hey, look, some of that stuff, there's the our, our nervous systems, right? The fight, the feed, and the breed. That naturally yeah. turns on in there. And if some of them suckers got a motor, and I mean, it's almost like when they say you got to break it apart to teach them. Hey, like, hey, I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> I, I know this is, I just want to tell you, this is happening. And, and what you try, what a good person tries to do, what I love the stoic model too. 
I, I, I studied it in the teams and I study it now. It's just like, Hey, we're, I've tried to teach you how to control this damn thing. Yeah. Because if you get into any environment, sometimes if we get fired up, there's some things over there that like that quiet. And if you get too loud, it'll kill them. And with the, the mentality that we have is like, Hey, teach that kid to sit in any environment. Like he's belongs there. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's a good way of approaching that. Well, and I think what's really powerful, we, you know, we seldom have an adult in authority. In fact, we'll go um, a week or longer and no adult will even walk into a middle school studio. But that's because everyone's learning from each other. And Marcus, to your point, you know, it's one thing for an adult to kind of come in and, and sometimes you need nurturing, you need to be picked up. Sometimes your big brother needs to just pick you up and say, get back in the fight. Or your big sister needs to do that. And so it's amazing to see these young people hold each other accountable and kind of and, and encourage each other, but also be tough with each other when it's time. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. And the tribes and the kind of the way they learn to self-manage and um, self-govern is by far the most powerful thing that comes out of acting. The academics are pretty easy and they do really well in that. That turns out to be trivial when compared to self-management and self-governance. Is it hard? Are we getting, I think we get in the way of that. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely get in the way of that. That's why they look at us differently. There's a, there's something happens with the facial or whatever. I mean, Alexander was in his 20s when he took this whole place down. Most all of them guys were young. Can you imagine if the old people were 40? How how active and violent this place would be with that kind of mentality running around? I mean, we saw what happened. Yeah. We recorded it. We got the history. We saw what happened. 100%. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, we're That's going back, truth. and we started apprenticeships at 10 or 11 years old because back in the revolutionary days, there were teenagers that were in command of warships. So oh, why should absolutely. I tell them to do the same wow. thing? Right. And I'll tell you, when, when you see these young people come out, they can do that. And they're incredible. And they're and, and by the way, IQ doesn't matter at all. You know, it helps to be smarter. I, I'd like to be as tall as Marcus, but I'm not. But really, you've got to do what you can do. And it turns out that IQ is so overrated because it's perseverance and grit and getting along with people. That's what really matters. Yeah, IQ, I heard was, that's just what you're equipped with when you come in. Yeah, that, that has no bearing on what I can stick in that sucker, what you can download on it. Matter of fact, when you do it that way, it's like iron. It hits yeah. harder. And those suckers remember, I mean, because there's a difference between having it already in there and then trying to apply it. That's where that mind, body, spirit comes in. You you, you have to put that stuff together. And well, at a young age, I mean, you're right. When you said that, I, forget, I don't ever think about that. But those ship captains, you're talking about kids running this place at 12 and 13. And, and mean and, and can get violent. If you, these kids these days, if you don't discipline them suckers, you you see what happens. They're the ones that can be dangerous. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting because people say, so how do you discipline kids at an acting academy if there's not a, an adult in charge? Well, one of the, the very first thing that happens when you come into a studio is what we call our classrooms, is the young people together write a contract. They make promises to each other for what will be the boundaries that we don't cross as a, as a group. And then they all sign it. And then they're in charge of holding each other accountable to the to the covenant that they've agreed upon. And if someone just keeps stepping over the line over and over, the group asks them to leave. So the peers write the rules and hold each other accountable. And there is a due process. So they learn about due process. But, you know, if you're breaking the, if you're crossing the boundaries all the time, you must not want to be there. And the the, the whole thing about Acton Academy is it's an opt-in thing. The people who are there are there because they want to be there. They choose to be there. And they're on a mission for their life. And I think that those that combination of accountability and ownership surprised us of how powerful that is and how young people take it so seriously. They know what a promise is. Um, a six-year-old knows what it means when they sign their name on that on that line. And it's amazing the the power that those promises hold. Yeah. Is it do you have a grading system, like a traditional grading system? No. And so um there are three ways you move up in an acting studio. So you basically move from one to another. The first one is we measure effort. So just how hard are you working on different things? We can talk about those things in a minute, but but you're basically measuring effort. The second thing is you measure excellence. And so every six weeks, there are there's the end of a project and something must be delivered, just like in the real world. And you have a public exhibition where you have to serve the public. We can talk about that in a minute, but you have to deliver high quality work. Then the third one is there's these 360 peer reviews where each person is asked about each person. Are they tough minded and warm hearted? And so you get feedback and you get rated by your peers of how you're doing in the community. You have to do well on all three things, working hard, delivering great work, and then also serving as a good citizen. The way quality is judged is there's excellence is if you haven't ever done it before, did you give it your all? If you've done it before, was this time better than last time? And you actually put them side by side and measure. If you've actually gotten where you're so good, you've kind of plateaued, you're going to compare your short story to Hemingway or Old Henry or Master. <laughs> or if you've won some sort of kind of contest, then it's excellent. And the only work that counts is excellent work. But excellence is about getting better every day and every time. And then the, the young people judge each other's badges. And if your badges are approved, that's excellent work. And then the last piece, because this this will make a lot of sense to you guys, there's a committee that judges excellence. And the only people that, are, by the way, that go on to that committee are people who care, right? Then we we pick three people at random from the studio, and then we ask the studio confidentially who should be audited. So those six people are audited by the committee. And Melanie, if you approved my badge, it's excellent, but the committee disagrees. You lose six weeks of work, and I lose six weeks of work. Okay. So if you log roll for your buddies, you can now lose get six, that. six months worth of work. Oh, that's exactly how that's that's exactly how it needs to go. That's they did that in buds. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, that's that's so the ship. Excuse my language. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's so the terrors or whatever whatever we call them. <laughs> what should we call them? They can't move forward. That's yeah. how you wash them out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's all based on performance and very much as real world as you can possibly get. Wow. So there there aren't grade levels. No, uh, the, the, the studios are multi-age. So you've got 
all the elementary in one studio, maybe 36, same for the middle school, same for the high school. And also the young people are moving between studios all the time. Somebody in the elementary studio might go up and help someone in the upper studio with calculus. So they're moving together. It's like a big family in neighborhoods. It's always mixing. Do you have a hard time finding teachers to go along with this? It's a great question because adults are the hardest piece of this puzzle. We we call them guides, not teachers. And we have found that someone who has a background, a long background in the traditional teaching setting, this environment is too hard to unlearn all of those skills that you gained as a teacher. So we actually seek um, coaches, entrepreneurs, people who run camps, youth ministers, people who just understand children and care for them, but but don't necessarily have to manage anything for the learning to happen. And the the idea is that we're giving the tools to the young people so that the adult works themselves out of a job pretty quickly. And if you walked into an Acton studio, you probably would have to look hard to see the adult. Well, yeah, often there won't be an adult in there. In fact, we've got we've got campuses with 130 learners and only two adults. And that counts janitorial, hiring and firing, everything. And so the biggest thing for an adult is no adult on campus is ever allowed to answer a question. Not one, not ever, not for any reason. All you can do is offer a choice. So if you ask me a question, all I can do is I can't answer it. I can offer you a choice. And then after a while, if I've done that enough, I can disappear because your classmates will offer you a choice. I don't even have to do that. So your classmates can help each other. Oh, yes. But but they have to be Socratic. They can't answer the question for you. They have to offer you choices as well. That would be hard to break if you already had that one in you. It's very hard. It's very hard. It's a hard one to break. Yeah. I can see that. Most most adults are either way too tough-minded, which would be me, or they're way too warm-hearted, like they want to rescue people. And so most of our time is trying to keep adults from rescuing or shaming and, you know, and let the learners learn from trial and error and making mistakes and getting back up. Oh, it's just it's so hard for because adults do like to control and things get chaotic. I mean, that's part of the model is letting things fall into chaos and then letting order arise as the young people figure out how to solve the problems. Oh, sure. But there's so many adults who just want to clean up the mess and make it look pretty for the parents when they come pick everybody up. And we just we just resist that because you've got to step back and let the children take charge of their environment. But it is, that's the hardest thing, I think. And then they build the most ordered, responsible community you can imagine. And almost everyone you ask will say, what's the best thing about acting? They'll say freedom. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a pause and they'll say, but you know, freedom comes with great responsibility. Sure. Because with us, look what they did. They not only made it as like, Hey, I'll just do it. But they made it a competition with us to see who could do it the fastest, which in our minds is like, oh, I mean, I don't even know how our kids survived because I, I call us stunt parents. because I catch my kid doing something like, oh, that's pretty good kid, but get out of the way. Watch the, you know, if you remove that, the best way is to yeah, remove ourselves from it and let them work that work through that. The options. Yeah. I've seen a little bit what you're talking about with our, uh, our two little ones. We have an 11 and 12 year old. We have a really close friend that has a daughter that is so freaking smart. I mean, off the charts smart. She's a senior this year at the local public school. And we opted for her to be our kid's math tutor because I don't understand how they're doing math anymore. I just don't get it. And they they, they tell us we can't uh, 
memorize <laughs> the multiplication tables and stuff. Like it's, it's really weird. But, um, so I called her in, I'm like, can you help the kids? I cannot figure this out. It's driving me crazy. She will not give them an answer. She wants them to figure it. She teaches them how to get the answer. And then she will constantly give them problems of like similar questions to make sure they really understand it. And she won't leave until they actually understand it. Both of our little ones are acing math now. And the teachers are like, what, what are y'all doing different? And I said, a high schooler is teaching them. <laughs> and it's so good for peer to peer. Yes. That, that, is, that is so powerful. And, and you bring up, a, I think, a really important thing that young people want to learn and they want to work hard and they don't mind the struggle if you just sit by them or let just, you know, the growth mindset idea that if you're struggling, it means you're learning. If you're not struggling, there's no learning that's happening. So that idea, I think, is really important. And then you get that aha moment, that joy that the learner experiences when they figure it out. Yeah. And I have people walking through Acton Studios saying, you know, why are these children so happy? There's such a feeling of joy. And it's because, first of all, freedom is ending and they feel free. But they also get that inner experience of struggling through something and learning it on their own. And then they own it. And that it just feels good to go through that experience. When you're giving them answers, you're just robbing them of so much. Yeah. So how are you coming up with the curriculum? Well, I mean, this has been... You know, Laura and I were in the studios, uh, in the elementary studio, and I was a middle school, high school guy for 12 years. So the answer is one day at a time. And, you know, we now have 22,000 pages of original material and linked to another 100,000 pages, but none of it would look like curriculum that you would imagine. I'll give you a quick example of these six-week quests. If you were in middle school, quote, biology, which, by the way, no one else even teaches biology in middle school, but we have that. You would study how to read blood tests, um, EKGs, uh, all the medical things, which are now on the web. So you can take the same simulations a doctor and nurse takes. And at the end of this six weeks, Melanie, you would come in and there would be 30 or 40 adults as the public. And each of us would have a card deck of symptoms. So I'd walk in and say, let's imagine Marcus is a middle schooler. He's got a little lab coat on. I'd say, you know, my, my chest feels tight. And, you know, it would say, well, G, uh, let's run an EKG. And then I would pull out a card and show him the EKG. That would cost $1,000. And he would keep asking questions till he diagnosed that I either had heartburn or I needed heart surgery. And so these learners learn how to actually, for real, diagnose medical conditions. Wow. And you know that's so biology is something you learn about your body so you can help people. And so every single thing we do has this real-world component where you're learning something you're going to use in the real world. Yeah, how it actually works. Yeah. 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 Because because why else would you learn something? I mean, you'll learn math and all the fundamentals, but you learn that to go do something, right. to fly an airplane or to help someone medically. Or I mean, there's a reason you learn things. And that's what we're all about. That's one of my biggest problems with, with school, especially nowadays, because they've changed how we learn. Axe will come to me with something. And I'm like, you just have to remember this to pass your test because I promise you you will never use this right. in your whole life I am 
44 and I've never seen where I need to use this problem. So just take your test and move on. <laughs> well, I, I, but in all seriousness, I'll ask each of you, I'm curious what you'd say about this. What percentage of what you've learned and used in the world that's important did you learn in a classroom? Very little. Very, very, very little. I would say almost everything I use today is just based off of what either my parents taught me or grandparents or a friend's parent, something like that. I think a lot of it comes into in play in different times in your life. I mean, and the way they teach us sometimes it's not really applicable, I think, because they're trying to say it a nice way. Hmm. You said it earlier. Kids are freaking resilient. I mean, I even look at my seventh year old or my seventh, my seventh grader and I was like, oh, you're still innocent. And I, then I think back when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, I probably need to tit this joker about some stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been in, uh, when, especially in the military, we were literally, I was at one of these schools uh, when I was going through training, that half of the day we we got taught military medicine, which is not just get in there and save your life. This is what, I, I know all the anatomy and physiology, how everything works in your body. I did get taught all that. And then there was um, there was civilian medicine. Like you're only allowed to do this. Because in case something goes wrong with them, but they—I mean, it was the craziest thing. We had to—we had to to separate the two, so we could get our paramedics license. That's really interesting. Yeah, there, about, there was, yeah, there was a kind of the book way to do it and the real way to do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what what? And if, I guess if we circle back around, what y'all are doing is putting those together. Yeah, you're yeah. teaching. It's a yeah, man manifesting that in your head to how it really, really works, and then you get to see an example of how it works differently because every child. It's different when you manifest in them for the first time. Well, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Well, I was saying, you know, it, here's the, here's the recipe. Now, here's the model. It's pretty easy. There's, I'm going to tell you a story and put you in the shoes of someone facing a difficult decision. Yeah, those are those are awesome. And, and we and we actually, I mean, truly, one of one of these challenges is Operation Red Wing. We put them in the shoes where Marcus, where you were in the book. I mean, that is actually an acting uh, challenge. Then the question is, okay, what are you going to do next? We're going to provide examples so you know what the thing you're going to do next looks like. Then we're going to provide a recipe or an algorithm or a process, how you actually do it. And then some sort of game, and there's some way you win the game or there's points. And then we're going to get out of the way. And you're going to have to solve this problem with nothing more than a story to inspire you, an example, a recipe, and some some way to play a game. And we're just gonna repeat that over and over and over again in every walk of life. It's part of the curriculum, no, babe. I, I know. There's a place that we don't ever talk about. It's called the void. And it's where you actually exist when both of those worlds are colliding together. Mm. Like what you've been taught and what, what's coming at you. <laughs> and I mean, you, you have no idea how you're going to react when you get in there. It's that's the, that's the greatest part about it. It's when it's hammering that thing in there. It's like, how detailed did you outline it to make it? And then there's also, there's always unknowns in there. And that's, and we often say is like, hey, this is how this works. 
you know as well as I do, there is an exception to every rule, Walker. That's God's little humor. That that's God's humor around here. He's like, hey, here's an exception to every rule in here that'll come walking in there. It's the funniest thing. Well, that's but, 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 but here's like- the one thing: you you have to make a choice, right? And you have to have the courage to make a choice. And you're going to be wrong a lot, and so you have to just keep trying. And so you get knocked down, you do it again. But it's but yeah. you do have to choose, right? You do have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. That's when you realize the right and wrong slips out the door, and it's like, hey, is this working? Is this working or if it's not working? And that's actually become (laughs) an issue with today's children is that they're so scared to try. They just won't. They're so scared to fail that they will not try. And that drives me. They put put more effort into not trying than they do. You got to switch. Isn't that funny? Is that a duality in man? Well, that must be stitched into us, too. Like if you if you don't take care of this thing, it will introvert. Which, which I mean, is a nuclear bomb going off when a when a child isn't raised without any discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Built into our model is that every six weeks you have to get up in front of an audience of community members and family members. It's, we call it exhibition day, and just show what you've learned. And one of the and very often um, that's where we see failure happen and parents sitting through their child actually getting up in front of the group and not having done the work and still having to stand there and go through this exhibition. And we talk to the parents that to not think that that's a bad thing. That's part of the learning process. And to just talk about it, talk about the struggle. What is it like? But that little by little courage builds up. We had one of our high school students when he first came, and you can tell this story because uh, well, yeah, he was, was just very close with Jeff. Yeah. So th- this young man shows up and he's got a hoodie on and a skateboard. And, you know, he looks like somebody you'd be kind of scared to have at your school at first. Delightful guy. He gets up the first exhibition to give a speech and the room's filled with 100 people. He's done all this work and he freezes and he literally freezes and they have to pick him up and take him off the stage. <laughs> oh my God. So, I mean, oh, it's just oh, oh, really froze. Okay. Well, and by the way, our rule was you had to stand up there for six minutes before you could leave. And he stood there for six minutes and didn't move. And six minutes seems like six hours in that case. I was about to say, that takes a lot of courage just to sit yeah. there and oh, say well, well, so then he requests to have another exhibition that he can have a chance to try again. And he freezes the second time. Everybody comes back and he freezes. He comes back a third time and delivers the talk. And I will tell you without a doubt, that third time absolutely changed his life. And the courage he had to have for that third time was as much courage as I have ever thought about mustering. It's everyone's biggest fear, right? Yeah, his biggest fear. Biggest fear, and he kept coming back. It brings tears to my oh, eyes just thinking a, about he's it. He's such a great young man now. It's so so fabulous. But we see that happening even as young as six year olds. There was a six year old who was a. We have Socratic discussions at the beginning and the end of every day, and um, this one six year old was afraid to speak for about four months. She just did not participate at all, and. You know, the parents were afraid, the guide was afraid. And then one day she so eloquently disagreed with the older student who had just said something. And the whole group just broke out in applause because they finally heard her voice. And it wasn't that she didn't have anything to say. She just needed to be there long enough to figure out 
that she was ready to use her voice. And then boy, there was no, (laughs) there was no turning back after that point. But some, some children, it just takes, you know, it's a slow burn to get to that point. And then they're solid and they can do it. But giving them time and space, everyone grows at their own pace. And I think that's why the mixed age grouping is so powerful because sometimes it's a seven-year-old who's the best in math and a nine-year-old, you know, the seven-year-old has to help the nine-year-old. It's not always the older ones helping the younger oh, yeah. ones. It gets all mixed up and it's a, and it, it builds such empathy um, within the group because you don't assume that the older ones are the powerful ones or, you know, that everybody's got a gift and people are looking for the gift in each other. And that's our bottom line is that um, we believe every single child is a genius who is, um, deserves to find a calling and change the world. So there's a respect about uh, amongst the individuals because each person has something, even if it takes a while to figure out what that something is. I had to learn that going through sniper school, just to relate to that. Because when you're sitting there and someone's talking, trying to describe, this is how I learned it. I had a buddy of mine, I'm like, hey, describe what you're seeing. We weren't allowed to look at it. He was looking at the targets and I had to look at something else while he was trying to describe it to me. And I was just getting quiet. I I would stay, you know, we'd stay quiet, but you realize that there's a separation between the decades and between youth because they see things differently Hmm. and and they don't know how to explain it to you. That's why they stay quiet. Like, Hey man. And and then finally I was like, Hey, why do you see it like that? How, How do you, how'd you learn it like that? Or what, whatever environment it was you were born from that implemented in that, that that way into your mind, I need to see it. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like Mel was talking earlier, a great teacher. Like there's ways to explain things. And then there's someone will just drop logic on you. And I, and I, that's when everyone in the room is like, Oh, I get exactly what you're saying. Not yeah. only that, I can explain it in my way and in yours. Yeah. yeah. And that, oh, that, that's, you, so, are, yeah. yeah. That's you know, so about when, when they do that, that's amazing to me. Yeah. When your when your kids are just starting out, the young ones, what are some of the hero stories that you're teaching them? Well, it's everything, you know, Aesop's fables to, I mean, we do the, the Iliad, we do biographies. They love to hear stories of real people and what they really um, wanted to do. But then, you know, we throw in Nemo or Lion King. It's founding, Star founding, Wars. Founding Harry, yeah, yeah, Founding Fathers, Harry Potter. I mean, children eat those stories up, but they, but there's something about real world heroes. They really, and there's wonderful collections of um, biographies for written for um, young children. And we just keep stacks of those around and talk about them all the time. And, and they love to map the hero. They love to have a story read out loud and then map the hero's journey to that story. So when did that person hear a calling? Who was that person's mentor? What was the trap they fell into? Um, when did they enter the cave? And we we use Joseph Campbell's um, quote, the cave you fear to enter is where your treasure lies. So the moment you feel really scared to do something, that's where you've got to go because that's where you're going to learn the most. And so they try to figure out, you know, when a character or a, a person in history really had to enter the cave that they feared. So those stories, we talk, even Dr. Seuss's um, stories, right. we keep all those, we read all those out loud all the time and they're wonderful hero stories to share with children. That's so that, awesome. That, when that fear starts tingling inside of you, that's almost like a homing beacon. Yeah, true. And being afraid is different. That's like your spidey. I call it my spidey sense. When that sucker starts tangling, you, you definitely know. Yes. When, when that when that fear kind of beacon shows up, you're like, okay, that you know, all right, <laughs> this, this is a way. Yeah. That's true. 
Yeah, we love to talk. We love to talk about fear, and we we all we all read um, the gift of fear, Gavin. That's a great book. Yeah. yeah, and being able to s- assess your own fear is it is it is it being afraid or is it you know is it something you really should be afraid of and and do something about or are you nervous inside? So to really analyze what that feeling is for a young person to reflect on their fear and their nerves and their. Um, you know, the difference between the two, I think, is a pretty powerful experience. Oh, yeah. You know how much that helps? Yeah. Because normally when you're growing up, that's come in segments. Yeah. Like courage, commitment. Those are different. The bravery. You got to put that in there, first of all. Yeah. And then yeah. right ahead of that is fear. So then you got to have somebody kick you in the butt. That's That's got to be where the adult's for, right? Get your ass oh. in there. Once you start, you'll be good. That kind of thing. Well, and you, and you learn that, you know, that, I mean... Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's it's actually even when you are That's right. If you're not scared, if you're not scared, you're crazy. You Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, if you've been through it, that's why you say it. Anyone who says that, that they they know exactly what that means. It's, it's kind of like when people say the glass is half empty. I was like, well, dude, you ain't your ass ain't never been thirsty. Because uh <laughs> yeah, let, let me say so something. Good. You know what I mean? That's not. So how are the kids, um, the older ones that are going to college, how are colleges assessing their acceptance with GPA and all that stuff? Well, we've been really surprised by that. Um, First, we have a way to translate everything we do into a normal high school transcript for college. So our transcripts look exactly like um, a high-end you know, private school in Austin because I copied their template. It looks exactly like that. Okay. Um, we, you know, so so what surprised us is no college has ever asked about any of our acting, uh, the ones from our school, the transcripts. So it's been fine. The real question, which is very different, is do our graduates need a college at all? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that question is no. Yeah. Now, they may get a college degree, but our two sons are in college now. And the stuff they're studying, they learned in middle school at Acton. Ah, that's not why you go there anymore. Yeah, yeah. you know fair. that. <laughs> you go there. That, yeah, that's not why you go to them anymore. Yeah. So, so right. yeah. So, so <laughs> this idea of you spend three hundred thousand dollars for a worthless piece of paper, <laughs> I just think that's over with. Just is going to take it a while. I don't think the value's there. And our a lot of our learners go straight into industry. Like, you know, you don't have to go to engineering school. You can go to SpaceX and get a job if you're really good at engineering. And yeah. so a lot of them are going straight into the world. Some will go ahead and go to college and really good colleges, but they have a reason. College is a tool. It's not an excuse. It's not a playground. It's a tool. What? Oh, it's evolved again. That That's exactly what this is. Like when then the internet came online and computers and technology, as soon as that information came in, you knew it was a matter of time for somebody sharpened all that Yeah. and threw it into one spot where you could go. It was basically you, re-brought, you, you brought back around the apprenticeship. So yeah. if you come out of there with that tag on your arm, like in the military, you know exactly what that means and what those, because you, you teach confidence in there because with, with the, being able to get up in front of anybody and do that, you show them their fears and then they want well, to. Well, you think about a lot of our learners will have, have had five or six full apprenticeships by the time they get through high school and including some really high end, I mean, working for famous people because they're so capable. And then you look at that and go, would you rather hire that person or somebody with a 3.0 out of a no-name college? And that's why they they get hired. Um, and sometimes it's very hard to even think about college because they've got such a good offer to already go to work. And once you've worked at SpaceX or Microsoft or Google, no one really asks about your college degree. After. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, absolutely. So does your uh, do the studios, 
it includes tech. So it's including all of the, the stuff that Google would want or any of those tech companies? Yeah, it, um, uh, that's, that's a complicated question. I mean, re really what most employers and having been one and employ a lot of people, what you really wanna know is what is someone smart enough and capable and more importantly, do they really care enough to do what you want them to do? And so we have all the tools necessary to figure that out. But when you meet these young people, it's not even a close call. I mean, it's not when you hear them speak and you can hear them reason and they know exactly what they want to do in life. They've got a plan. Yeah. Then, you know, you just can't wait to find something you hope they'll come do with. you. So it's it's yeah. it's so far beyond what you see with a normal high school graduate or the normal college graduate that there's almost no comparison. Are you following all of your graduates? Yes, like and they're they're very, they're very loyal, and they come back all the time. That's awesome, and they all have success stories of getting good jobs. Well, yeah, I mean the answer to that is yes, but it's really a hard question. I brought chance. I was like, what is success? Right, what is a good job. Right, what is a good job? Really That's hard question. Who's doing that? Right. Well, and it's fun because they're each on um, their own journey, and so what I the what I see is that they're fully engaged in their own personal journeys and they're thriving out in the real world what they miss or what some of them miss is the community of like-minded people who also are on a mission sure. to do something important with their lives and so they're trying to they love to connect with each other as graduates of acton because they're like you get it we're on a hero's journey we want to do something important i'm tired of being around friends who don't want to talk about anything meaningful you know so they they want to now form an alumni group that they share their next great adventure with each other and help inspire each other because that's what they were doing at acton i also want to interject here that we don't take credit for any of these yeah. when jeff says you know they're doing such wonderful things it's because that's what humans do yeah. and we just got lucky to be in a situation you know, 14 years ago, it was just seven kids plus me in a little house. We had no plan. We didn't know this would go anywhere. But when you really respect kids and you trust them and you set basic boundaries and set them free, humans are amazing. And we just give all the credit to the courageous parents who said, yeah. okay, we'll, we'll trust you, go for it. And also those young children who were brave enough to come in and try something new. And it, it is just um, blossomed beyond anything we take any credit for at all. Uh, I mean, it's incredible what y'all are doing and you're raising the next generation of leaders that we need. And if they're not leaders, they're, they're at least giving to our communities somehow. Can't so. believe how far personality will take you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can't believe it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we forget to download that and all the smart kids. Well, like, you got to be able to wield that sword. Absolutely. No. Have, at a young age, when you're able to just sit down at a table and there's a senior sitting off and it's like, hey, let's let's go ahead and talk about this and we can lay it all out on it. Because at that age, you look down on them. You look down on them. Right. That, that, you know what I'm And so the ability, that's that confident and courage. I'm, I would imagine that they don't find that. You know how hard it is to talk to somebody on the level, and anybody who's trying an employer once when they say experience, that's what they're looking for. That's hey, can, right. you, can you talk to me and tell me what you want? Moreover, can I see what you want? That's right. Well, we were, we were talking before we went on the air about you know our our oldest son Charlie went to acting. is now a, a marine and about to be a marine aviator. Yeah. Congratulations! And I'll, well, thank you. And I'll tell you though, he you know he did OCS this summer and then he went back to college, and he was probably a little iffy on college before. 
but Marcus, you know what it means to go through and have the seriousness and to wear the uniform and do, and then you come back and there's people drinking and screwing around. It's just not very interesting. Can't and so apps changes. each of our acting graduates is like that. When they go out in the real world, they're operating at a level that's different than most people. And they want to then go work for really high performance companies and teams and start their own businesses. I mean, they're at the top because they've been in an environment, they've, they've experienced that. And it's no fun to live at a lower, at a slower pace anymore. Sure. That's the difference between well, people who, who when, when they put a front on, that'll go away. When it gets hard, when stuff starts really getting difficult, those people wash out. If someone's really capable of that, they'll, they'll stand right in there. As a matter of fact, they won't even notice it. Well, they won't even notice it. I'll tell you the biggest difference of acting and, and, and when you get out and go into the college world, you're going to have to make a choice whether you want to be prestigious or competent. Mm. Yeah. And our learners are always going to pick competent. Yeah. Who cares about if you're prestigious, it? It drags the other one with it. It drags yeah, oh, the other one with it. Yeah. Real my, my father would do the discipline respect thing with me. He goes, hey, look, I, I give you my, my respect and that everyone respects me will come with that. But if I don't give you any discipline, you can't hold it. It's like, but if I give you discipline, then you'll get your respect. And every man wants that. That's why you earn money. That's why you get an education for whatever, whatever that word really means, whatever that activates inside of us yeah. it is important. I, yeah. I've noticed that. Yes. It's the lowest common denominator. I yeah. mean, that might be our pure animal instinct, respect. Yeah. And when you, when someone opens their mouth, you know, immediately, not on a text message, when they got to actually look at you and communicate, cause you can see it in their face and that, you have to match those words with that expression. And that takes time because you have to reflect that off of other people to see if it works for you. Yeah. And those young kids that can do that, that's the most impressive thing to me is when they when they can belt that out. That's how you know you got a great parent. Say anything yeah. you want about that sucker. If those kids are squared away, let him do his thing. Yeah. So speaking of acting, you've got that down pat. Y'all have franchised schools across the world right? I mean, you have it in different countries. So what about the, the business fair that you do, the Acton business fair? Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a fun story. Those, that, that's our favorite. Those are so much fun. <laughs> it's actually probably doing much more good even the Acton Academy. So Charlie and Sam started, uh, came to us when they were six and seven, wanted to start not a lemonade stand, but Bizard and invite their friends. And we started with, I think, six booths by six young entrepreneurs and they were selling cocoa or cookies and different things. And the next year, Another group showed up and it was twice as big and then it doubled again and doubled again. And now we have we just had our 1900th Children's Business Fair and I think 516 cities around the world. And so these fairs where people come together and these young people put on their their booths and, and sell their materials, they're the single most fun thing we do. And, and, and they're, you know, I think there were 22 this weekend around the world. How do you and there's roughly the 20 every week. So how do people go to something like that? Where do you put the word out? Well, there's a there's a uh, children's business acting children's business fair dot com, and you can go there if you want to host one, and it automatically creates a website for you. We put up five hundred dollars of of uh, prize money. Just our family does just out of wanting to help it. It's free, and you know your first one you might have ten people show up. So you can do this for your your kids that are still at home. You know, mm -hmm. have them find five friends put up a website, invite the neighbors over. And what you'll find is every year it will double in size That's until you true. reach capacity. And so they are so much fun. Are they usually at someone's house or at a community center? Or? Either. I mean, some you know, sometimes they start houses, sometimes community centers. Yeah. 
And so each local per each local host is in charge of spreading the word locally to get shoppers there. And each booth owner, each child who has a business is responsible to market the fair to get people there to shop. Hey, you there's know, one rule. Yeah, there's only one rule. Parents can't help. Yeah. <laughs> Adults have to stay out of the way. And you know, the children learn to make something with their own hands, sell it safely to somebody they don't know, and have money left over after when they're finished. Yeah. And if there's any recipe for the American dream, it's those three things. Yeah. And the kids pocket all the money and it is it is until so they get home and the old man comes over and is like, all right, this is yeah. the man. <laughs> I'm gonna take half that. Right. <laughs> so there you go. I'm like, hey, taxes. Yeah, that's right. So they that's learned right. so much. And you know, once again, so many mistakes. There were there were years where our boys didn't, you know, make enough money to make <laughs> to make a profit or they you know didn't sell anything. And those are great lessons too. And sure. it, it can be painful, but it actually is so much fun. And there that's such a low cost way to do oh, a lot of good. Yeah. Out of all of the ones that y'all have participated in, what's the fun, like craziest thing you've seen a kid trying to sell? Oh my gosh. Well, we did have our boys um shooting paintball. <laughs> at, you, you could hire, you could pay to shoot Sam, <laughs> which was the which was their booth one year, paintball, and poor Sam, our son was having to run back and forth and sure. you know. hey, the most deadly game. Who who, who doesn't love that book, right? <laughs> But we, you know, bacon on a stick was really popular one year. What's your favorite? Well, I think we, we had this young girl. First time we had a young girl named Michaela who was four and a half and she came in a bumblebee suit and she was selling her grandmother's lemonade. <laughs> and then she came back again and again. And a few years later, she was on Shark Tank and she raised $300,000. And now she runs a major lemonade company. Yeah, She's that's not, the story I wanted to hear right there. Yeah, yeah. So, sweet, so, bee. Yeah, <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet bee lemonade. And it's a major, you know, brand. It's in Whole Foods, H-E-B. Yeah. So, She's amazing. So there've been, there've been a handful of people actually make real businesses, um, you know, and make, make a lot of money out of their business. That, there needs to be an American dream table book. That's yes. what they're doing. With, yeah, that, that kind of <laughs> That's thing. A That's a great idea. That you know is talking about with, with someone like that, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think's got the best one one of the best American dream stories coming over here doing that yes. the way he did it. I mean, there's prime examples. The one what was the young lady's name you just said? What was her name? Oh, Michaela. 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 Yeah, yeah. Her. And just yeah. just thumb through that just to see that it's possible. All right, yeah. that's another project y'all can do. Okay, yeah, that would be fun. I would love to do that, actually. I mean, that's a, <laughs> dude, I'd get that, I'd buy it. Okay, so out of, so was she an Acton student or just any? No, she never went to Acton. That's why I think it's my favorite because not everybody's going to go to Acton and Acton's not for everybody, but just about every kid wants to make something and sell yeah. it. And sure. so that is just a powerful experience for anybody. I think we've had 99,500 kids come to the business fair so far. So it's not just acting. It's yeah. people all anybody. Over. And so how can kids actually sign up, like find one that's local? Well, they just go to that, that website and oh, you can website. see if there's one in your town. I mean, one nearby, but truly the next thing is to really go ask your parents and say, can I do one with five booths or six? Cause you can put one on with a few card tables in your front yard and then it'll just grow on its own. So a lot of times children will just convince their parents to have one. Uh, That's fine. a great idea for around us too. The neighborhoods are kicking up. They're, they're the, oh, it'd be, the, it'd the be suburb great. kind of deal. Right. Yeah. And they have parks inside the neighborhoods around here. And nice. It's, it's fun to meet your neighbors. I mean, it's one of the most positive things um, we've ever done. They're all fun. So yeah, come to find out, actually hanging out with your neighbors is a great time. Yes. Yeah. 
What a great concept. I, I, what a great concept. I'm getting to know that myself. It took me a little bit. I am. I'm, you know, I'm truthful. I'm, well, we like, I'm being completely honest it's here. It's hard for us. We, we live. Well, it's just hard for most veterans too. When you get back, they don't like doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I'm hardest on the, especially the vets. Now I'm like, get your asses out in town yeah, and let everybody see you. I mean, yeah. you're scary looking anyways. So they're not going to come up to you. You got to go out to them and meet them. And Marcus decided to find where all the old men in the town have coffee in the morning. Oh, I love that. And That's so how I started recon the town. He started going and sitting with them and just getting to know them. And so every Friday he has a standing date with all of the old men in the town. Oh, <laughs> oh that's, that's such a gift. That's that a, is hey, beautiful. I, when I when I get it, my brother and I, when we, we came here, I didn't know anybody. So initially our plan was we drew it out. I was like, gonna hey, let's go recon, find that town elders. And the, the, the town elder, the female, she was 103. She just passed away. Celeste Graves. So we go have coffee with her. And there's a coffee shop over where the other ones sit. And then from there, I went to the firehouses. Just, you know, it took me months to let everybody see you and know who you are. Oh, that's you, huge. You just keep kind of going around. And that's how you. It's it's building a, that community. Yeah, I mean, that's how you get to know everybody. Yeah. I remember growing up in high school, we knew everybody. And even yeah. if you went back and forth, if you had a problem, hell, we looked out for each other. Yeah, that's right. I had a great childhood you because have a of a very bizarre childhood. I do have a bizarre childhood. I think, <laughs> I mean, I have the best crew known Most- to man don't have childhoods like that like everybody in his hometown knows who they are not because of i mean knows or anything like that like they've known them since they were kids they were in the newspapers when they were kids like not a great town they just had a crazy story but uh, teachers i mean it was i've had a lot of time to reflect now sir You know, she's kind of calmed me down. I, I don't move like I used to. Normal. Don't think that's normal. Um, I'll just apologize right now to everyone that helped raise me. I love you. And I, I you know, when I was a kid, I know it was tough. I know it was tough. <laughs> Thanks for not throwing me away. Well, we love what y'all created with Acton Academy and with the business fair. I We're definitely going to look that up with yeah. our little ones and see if they can get involved with something like that. Is there any other success stories or anything you want to tell us about your students or former students? No, I just think it's it's the thing I would leave you with is that, and you know this, but children are just capable of far more than we've ever imagined. And they just need a chance to go try. Yeah. They really are, are. That's been the biggest surprise of this. I had high hopes, but I've been completely blown away. And I think Laura has too, over and over again, by what these young people can do. And we just hold them back by not expecting them to be heroes. Yes, and I've just learned, if you have a problem or a question, sit down with a child or an elder like you're doing, yeah. but ask a child to help you out. They they can solve problems and their ideas are just, oh, it's just amazing yeah. to me. So yes, that's our takeaway oh. and we're just grateful and we thank thank you for this time with yeah, you. This is really, us. yeah, really nice to be with you. Yeah, but that's a great way to, I never... Heard it said like that because when you ask a child something, they'll tell you. That's the truth. They'll freaking throw it out there. Yes. And and the elder, they'll say the same thing, but it has some like some wallet behind it, like some experience. Like you're like, hey, I feel like you road tested that. You know what I mean? And that when it's short and sweet usually. And I get to the point now to where if I see and uh, especially if I see that December up there, or if he's got it in the beard, it's white. He's saying gray hair. Gray hair, white yeah. hair. There's a difference. <laughs> that spirit, you know what I'm talking about? When you see one, I'm like, hey, give me something. I know you got a cool phrase, some wisdom. Sometimes people look at me like I'm the craziest damn thing ever. I'm like, oh, come on, I know you got something. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be around all this time and not have something cool you throw out. 
And they normally do. They laugh about it. They're like, yeah, you know, I got something for you, man. Hold on. <laughs> well, I'm all about promoting change makers. And that's what y'all are doing is actually changing the trajectory of how our kids are being raised because the traditional school system sucks. And I'm so, and I come from teachers. My dad's parents were teachers. My mom's parents were teachers. My aunts were teachers. Um, so it's not that I am anti-education. It's how our school system now is set up. It's just, it's going the wrong way. And our kids are lacking confidence. They're lacking, um, they have so much anxiety. I mean, you see kids now in high school on Xanax because they have this high anxiety. All that comes from is a lack of confidence. Yeah. And what you're doing in with the Acton Academy is actually teaching kids to, to shine. It's not, you're not giving them anything that they don't already have inside them. You're just right. yeah. pulling it out of them and allowing them to have that platform. So thank you. Thank you. Thank exactly. you. We appreciate y'all coming out here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. That's awesome. And it, All right. can you say the website one more time just for our listeners? And if there's any. Yeah. Questions. So the Children's Business Fair is um, actingchildrensbusinessfair.org. Or if you just Google Children's Business Fair, it shows up. Mm -hmm. And then um, actingacademy.org is, is for the school. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I, well, thank I, I you. sit down and talk to you about freaking raising these much. kids all day long. <laughs> it would be fun. We'd love right. it. Yeah, We're seeing you in person. Yeah, yes, sir. Hey, God bless y'all. Y'all take care. Bless Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.